0: amen. Good morning again. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. I would ask that you would stand with me as we would pray and we would read from God's most holy, most perfect word. Father, we thank you that you are faithful, that all that we sung this morning is true about you. You are faithful. And Father, we ask, as we look at your faithfulness today, as we look at that fruit of the Spirit called faithfulness, Lord, I pray that we would be found faithful ourselves. Father, we ask that you would speak to us. We claim the promise of your Word, that your Spirit will guide us into all truth, will speak to us so that you're glorified and we are edified. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is what God says to us again this week. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you were led by the Spirit, you were not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is the word of the Lord. May add his blessing to it. You may be seated. Hey, Johnny, can you pass me that water? Just toss it up here. Thank you. Well, as we're continuing in the fruit of the Spirit, we've seen that God Himself is love, that God is joy, that God is peace, patience, His kindness, and His goodness. And we are to be these things also. Today, we look at faithfulness. If there's one thing we can say about God God is faithful. God is faithful. The word faithfulness is the word pistis in Greek. Probably you, you would know that. It means, uh, it means it's a multi purpose word in the Greek, as, as many words in the Greek are. When we think about faith, we know that it refers to the gospel itself. Jude writes this, he says in Jude 3, Beloved, although I was very eager to write, you, write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once delivered to all the saints. So faith can mean the gospel. It can also mean believing in the gospel. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, two of my most favorite verses in scripture. For by grace you have been saved. Through faith, that is a believing in the gospel. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. But when it comes to faithfulness, here in the fruit of the Spirit, this would be the correct definition. It means the state of being someone in whom complete confidence can be placed. Trustworthiness, dependability, Or faithfulness, that's the Greek-English lexicon. And as we see, God is faithful. God, these attributes, these fruits, have to apply to God because they are the fruit of the Spirit. So when we say that God is faithful, or God is love, or God is joy, or peace, or patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control, we're referring to the whole of the Trinity, That means that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit possess all of these qualities to their absolute fullest degree. Let's look at how God is faithful. The psalmist writes, David writes in Psalm 33, 4, for the word of the Lord is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness. Or another version would say, and all that he does is faithful. God is, is faithful. When the children of Israel were getting ready to go into the promised land, God said this to them in Deuteronomy 7, 9, verses 9 to 11. He says, know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love, with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations and repays to the face those who hate him by destroying them. He will not be slack with the one who hates him. He will repay him to his face. You shall therefore be careful to do the commandments and the statutes and the rules that I have commanded you today. Now, pastor, why couldn't you just stop and say that God is faithful? Why did you have to put that he'll repay to his face the person who hates him? Well, that goes with God's faithfulness. God says in this passage right here that He is faithful in three things. God says He is faithful in covenant, He's faithful in steadfast love, and He's faithful in justice. And we need to know this about God. God is faithful in covenant, in steadfast love, and in justice. This is what we call, you've heard this term from the pulpit before. It's a term we should know. Is it in Scripture? No but it's what we, what theologians have, have deemed the work of God or, 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 or the order salutis, the order of salvation. The covenant of redemption is a, is a covenant made between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit before the world was ever made, where they would create a world of people who just by nature of being created needed to be redeemed. We didn't need to redeem just because we were sinned, but by nature of being created, we needed to be redeemed because we are not holy and perfect like God. It was in the cards, so to speak, that man would rebel against God. So they they came up with a plan before time began that Jesus himself, the Son, would become a man and pay the perfect price, would be the perfect sacrifice to fully, as we sung this morning, the the wrath of the Father is fully satisfied in Christ Jesus so that you and I, who are called by the name of Christ, would not bear the wrath of God and the Spirit would come sent from the Father and the Son to guide us into all truth and to sanctify us. We see this very clearly in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 10. This is God's faithfulness in the covenant of redemption. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before when? The foundation of the world. That we would be holy and blameless before Him in love. God is love. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him... We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of the grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, there's the plan, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in heaven and things on earth. It was God's covenant within His own self that brings us salvation. And part of the covenant is that Jesus, who submits Himself to the Father, coming as the Son to become the perfect sacrifice, to satisfy the wrath of God, as a reward He has given the people for Himself. And that's why we read in Psalm 2.8, Ask of Me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession." And that's why Paul, later on in Ephesians, the verses are going to come up, but we understand that we are participants of the glorious inheritance of the saints. We are a particular people, a special people, belonging to God. We belong to Christ. We are Christ's inheritance. What an incredible, humbling thought to think that you are a gift to Jesus. You ever think of it that way? That's how it works, folks. We are a gift from the Father to Jesus. And that's why Jesus says in John 6, 37, All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. God is first and foremost faithful in covenant. God is faithful in steadfast love, steadfast love, love that bears with people, love that never comes to an end. You ever feel unloved? You feel unworthy? You feel everybody has forgotten you and forsaken you? If you're all alone in the world, well, you're not all alone in the world. God has steadfast love. He writes to the children of Israel who are, who are getting ready to go into captivity. In Isaiah 49, 15 to 16, he says this, can a woman forget her nursing child, that she is, she's to have no compassion on the son of her womb? He almost asks it like it's a rhetorical question. Well, the answer is actually yes. That does happen in the real world. He says, even if these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on my palms, on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. He says, listen, I so steadfastly love you that I have engraved you on my palms, and I will never forget you. I love you with an everlasting love. And the third thing that God says he is faithful in is justice, injustice. Where do you think we're going to go? Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 to 7. How many of you have this memorized by now? I hope you would. I hope You should have this memorized. It says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. There we see it again. And faithfulness, abounding in steadfast love and in faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and here's the justice part, but who will by no means clear the guilty. Remember what we said a few weeks ago in the New Jersey vernacular. Nobody's getting away with nothing. Nobody is gonna get away with anything before a holy and a just God. He is faithful to himself. He is faithful to justice. And no wonder God says to us, children, do not ever avenge yourselves. Leave room for the wrath of God. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Nobody is going to get away with anything. They may seem to in this world, Great injustice has been done to many people, millions and millions of people. Injustice has been done to them. And, And the perpetrators seem to get away from it. Oh no, one day they will stand before the great white throne of judgment. And they will face a holy God. And they will pay. It says, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. It's not that God's going to make the children pay, but what he's saying is this. If someone is going to go in a wicked way, that that has generational effects. The bottom line is this. God is faithful. 2 Timothy 2.13 says this, If we are faithless, He remains faithful, for He cannot deny Himself. What does that tell us? God is faithful. God is immutable. God does not change in His nature or character. It is impossible for God to be unfaithful. It's absolutely impossible. And anybody says, you ever hear the phrase, is there anything God can't do? I'm the guy that says, yes, there's things God can't do. What can he do? They look at you, what can he do? He can't be unfaithful. He can't be unholy. He can't be unjust. He can't unlove. He can't this. He can't that. There's a lot that God cannot do by design of his nature. God, above all else, is faithful. God does not change whatsoever. And that loved ones for us is an anchor for our soul, that he does not change. I remember this, the the truth of this just hit me so profoundly after 9-11. Many of you know that before I was a pastor, I was in construction and I was working down at ground zero And, and it was on the very same day that I was down at ground zero, and three horn blasts went, and that meant clear the area because a building uh, was thought to be getting ready to collapse. And I remember I took off. I, you know, I don't, you know, sadly, in my mind, I'm thinking, here's, my son John is only six months old. I'm going to get home to my kid. I mean, if there was an old lady who fell down next to me, too bad for you, lady, I'm going home. I mean, that was my mindset, a horrible person, Right? Um, That was my mindset. And driving home, they had an interview with the late Dr. R.C. Sproul. And they asked him, what was your first thought when you heard about the towers in New York City? And it just brought comfort to me. He said, God has not changed. And I was like, you know, that's true. God doesn't change. He's the same Yesterday, today, and forever. And no matter what you're going through, God has not changed. He will not change. He cannot change. It was the very thought that kept me when I was in the uh, ICU this past week, hooked up to the, those things in my groin, and boy, it was not a pleasant process to lay flat there. And I, and I had to keep thinking, God, you are faithful. I said, God, what a way to make sure this message hits home. Thank you. Right, <laughs> I, you know, but God was faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful, not only to Himself, but God is faithful to you. God is faithful to you. This would be what we would call the covenant of grace. The covenant of redemption in time and space for us is the covenant of the grace. God is faithful to you. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.9 says this, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. You know what? God made a plan before the beginning of time to say that I'm gonna save a people for myself. And if you are among those people, God is faithful and God called you you into fellowship with himself. God is faithful. God is faithful to you. God is faithful to you. He saved you, and he wants you to live a holy and a righteous life, and he knows that there are times in our life when we're tempted, and and we're tempted maybe beyond what we think we can bear, but even in the moments when we think we're going to falter, when we think the the, the, the temptation is overwhelming, when I'm not going to be able to stand against the tide, even then God is faithful 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. But God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God is faithful, even when sin is crouching at the door, that He will strengthen you, and He will help you to endure it, even escape it. God is faithful to keep His children. God is faithful even if we succumb to the temptation and we sin and all sin is raising our fist in God's face and telling them, you know what, you're not God, I am. And even when we do that, when we've fallen into it and all of us have, not a single one of us can say, I have not sinned. Because if we say I'm without sin, then what the Bible tells us, what do we call God? A liar. God is not a liar. But even if we sin, even then, God is faithful. First John one nine. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is faithful. Even when we sin, God is faithful in that He promises that He will establish us and guard us from the evil one. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. What does God promise He will do? Establish you and guard you against the evil one. Does that mean I sit back and I do nothing? No, absolutely not. You know what that means? That means that we also need to be faithful and that we need to put on the armor of God of which he provided and we need to stand against the wiles of the devil and we need to work out our salvation in fear and trembling and when we do that, God will establish us and God will guard us against the evil one. And even to be able to stand with the armor of God, God strengthens us for that. He is so faithful to us. God is also so faithful that He knows that if you have been laboring for the Lord, you're serving faithfully in the church, you are just a faithful witness of Christ Jesus, He says, I will not overlook that. Hebrews 6.10, For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work, and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. I look back on my life, and I'm a little five-year-old kid at Birchwood Heights Chapel in Randolph, New Jersey, and I can think and I can see and I, could, I probably have somewhere, maybe I still do in the attic stashed away, a little Bible that Mrs. Rush, my faithful Sunday school teacher, gave me. I'm 53 years old, and yet I remember a faithful saint. Your children will remember the faithfulness of Pat Lane, of DJ Abamont, Sue Santos, John Oach. Faithfully serving. You should instill in your children how blessed they are that there are faithful servants in God's church. We are blessed. God will not overlook. Sometimes I know in ministry, it seems like, what's the point? What's the point? All I got is a bunch of complainers. Nobody's ever happy. Can't ever do anything right. That's other pastors. I don't say that because I can't say that. I'd be lying if I said that. I'm overwhelmed. I'm in a hospital bed, and I know I'm getting texts and I'm getting emails. We're praying for you, pastor. We love you, pastor. God will not forget your labor for him. Whether it be in the workplace, whether it be in the church, whatever it is, God is faithful and he will reward. Why? Because God is faithful in this. He doesn't use the word faithfulness, but it is certainly implied in the verse. Paul, writing to the church in Philippi, says, this is one thing that I am confident of. And I am sure of this. I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, parentheses, will be faithful to bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. God is going to see you to the very end. He's going to see you through to the end. And at the times when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, He is there with you. When you're riding on the mountaintops and you're living life and life is good and you feel like, I don't know, He's right there with you. I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. God is faithful. Now here comes the stick Are we faithful? It's a great question to ask ourselves. Are we faithful? Are we faithful in reading, prayer, study, family, church, work? The list can go on. Are we faithful in giving? Does God need your money? Absolutely not. God just doesn't want money to have a hold of you. Are we found faithful? If you are God's child, if you claim the name of Christ, it is expected that we are to be found faithful. It's expected. It's demanded of Him, actually. And even in that, He empowers us to be faithful. That's how great He is. He says, this is what I want you to do. I expect you to do it. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to give you the strength to do it. We have no excuse. He's gifted every person in this room, if we're called by the name of Christ, to serve in the kingdom of God in some capacity or another. Some are at the high levels, some are at the low levels. It's okay. The Bible tells us this in 1 Corinthians twelve four to 7 Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activity, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You even know what God has called you to. Has God called you just to have your job and that's it? It may be. I don't know. I would like to think that God has much higher callings than that. Maybe it is to just be a faithful witness at work. But I would also say this. If God has established you in this local body, then God expects you to serve in this local body. We have sign-ups for VBS and we have a a lot of help. But why are we lacking, church? I'm going to just be honest. Why are we lacking for help in the nursery? Why are we lacking for help in Sunday school aids? I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. Given all that God has done for us. And I say that not to beat anybody up, not to guilt you, but to get us to say, hey, are we faithful? We've amen up to now all that God is faithful. Into all that he's done. And God says, Hey, can you give an hour on a Sunday? Why is it that we're not packed out on Wednesday night for Bible study or community groups or couples group or what? You know, know, get what I'm saying? I get it. We can't be at everything. Not expecting to be at everything. Jesus put it this way. We're going to end with this. Jesus tells a story about giving out talents, which which was a measure of money. But we know it's analogous to giving somebody a spiritual gift, giving the ability to do something for the kingdom. And he gave one five, and he gave one two, and he gave one one. And he says this in Matthew chapter 25. We'll pick up with the guy who had two. The story is this, that the, that, that the, the master gave his, his servants talents, and he went away on a journey. And when he comes back, he expected a return on his investment. And so he comes back, and the one with five, he got double, he got ten. Now we go to the one with two, and he says this. And he also who had two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made Two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good, and what kind of servant? Faithful, Faithful servant. servant. You have been what? Faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also said to the one, now here's the rub. He also said to the one who had received one talent, doesn't seem like much. Come forward. He he who also received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed, so I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. See, there's a problem with his assessment of the master. He was motivated out of fear as opposed to love. The other two knew that the master was faithful, that the master was kind, and the master was good. The one who had one talent had a very wrong view of the master, and that's what motivated him. He was unable to be faithful because he was motivated by fear as opposed to love. If you're here today, Saying I come to church because I check off a box. Or anything you do within the kingdom of God, and for you it is to check off a box, to make God happy, to earn your way to heaven. And loved one, I will tell you right now, you are going down a very dangerous road. A road that will end in eternal death. A road that will not end in the joy of your master but a road that will end in the gnashing of teeth, apart from the presence of God forever. Listen to what Jesus says. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. Slothful is another way of saying unfaithful. You wicked and slothful servant." You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. At my coming, I should have received that which was my, my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more. And he who has an abundance, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has, has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in the place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, pastor, it was all good up till now. Jesus expects us to be found faithful. He empowers us to be faithful. He has given us Everything to be faithful. The challenge for us is to ask ourselves, in all honesty, before a holy God, in prayer, ask yourselves, God, do you find me faithful? Because God, I want to be faithful. And if you seek after the Lord as seeking after fine gold and fine silver, you will not be disappointed. You'll be rewarded in ways that you never, ever imagined before. One of the things that God says, that in the last days, judgment is going to begin within the church. I personally believe that means God is going to weed out the unfaithful out of the church. Because in the end, Scripture tells us that the ones who endure to the end will save their lives. If we are not found faithful, in the small thing of which God has entrusted us, whatever makes us think we would be able to endure real suffering for Christ, it's just not going to happen. We'll jump ship real quick. But if we're found faithful in the little things, Jesus promises he'll set us over much. And notice the wording that Jesus uses. Enter into the joy of your master. See, Jesus himself is our reward. Do you want Jesus as your great reward? What did God say to Abraham? God said to Abraham, listen, don't be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield. He is faithful. He will guard you and establish you and keep you from the evil one. I am your shield. I, Abraham, am your very great reward. Enter into the joy of your master. It is imperative All the more, as we see these days, as we see people clamoring for the death of unborn babies, as we see people becoming more and more intolerant of somebody who says that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, only faithful people will be found standing. If we're slacking a little bit in faithfulness, let's ask God for forgiveness and let's get to work, and let's be found faithful. That's God's admonition. It's not a beatdown. Trust me, it's not. It's what Scripture asks us to ask ourselves. Are we faithful? Have we been found faithful? Will we be found faithful? By God's grace, we will be found faithful, I hope. Father, thank you for empowering us and strengthening us. Thank you that you are faithful. Help us, Lord God, to be found faithful because we love you. Because you've been so good and so kind to us. You've withheld no good thing from us. You've come through for us time and time and time again. And so, Father, help us to be found faithful. Help us to cultivate the fruit of faithfulness for your glory and your glory alone. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's close in a song.
1: bless you all.